Lecture 22, Interpretation of Scripture. Accepting a book is not the same thing as interpreting a book, and as early Christians recognized, there are numerous ways to interpret the books of Scripture. We saw in the last lecture that the canon of Scripture was formed in the context of the struggles between orthodoxy and heresy in the first Christian centuries. The New Testament developed as a set of books that proto-orthodox Christians could use to provide them with apostolic um, authorities for their views against the views of other Christian groups. But establishing a list of authoritative books is not the same as establishing their meaning. It is one thing to have a book, it is another thing to interpret it. Proto-Orthodox Christians from the earliest of times realized that, in addition to promoting authoritative books, they needed to promote authoritative interpretations of those books. The importance of interpreting texts was recognized at the very beginning of Christianity. Jesus himself was an interpreter of the Hebrew scriptures. Interestingly, his approach to interpretation became controversial in later centuries. Jesus clearly affirmed that the Hebrew scriptures came from God, but sometimes he appeared to contradict their teachings. For example, in his claim that God did not really intend the lex talionis, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, or the law of divorce, which the Torah allows, but Jesus disallowed. Early Christians also believed that Jesus himself had fulfilled the law. Um, but does that mean then that the law was no longer in force? If it was enforced, then don't Christians have to follow it, even, for example, kosher food laws? If not, why does Jesus say that his followers need to keep the entire law, even better than the scribes and Pharisees? The Apostle Paul also was an interpreter of Scripture. He again read many texts of Scripture literally. On occasion, however, he would interpret these texts in a figurative sense, making them mean something other than what they said when read literally. An example can be found in the allegory of Hagar and Sarah, um, which he interprets as referring not to the two partners of Abraham, but to Jews, Hagar and Christians, Sarah. Later, proto-Orthodox Christians then had to decide how to interpret their scriptures, and the matter became increasingly important with different teachers interpreting the same text in different ways, then claiming that these texts supported their points of view. Marcion, for example, insisted on a literal interpretation of the Old Testament, which led him to conclude that the God of the Old Testament was inferior to the true God because he was sometimes ignorant, changed his mind on occasion, and was wrathful and full of vengeance. Marcion's proto-Orthodox opponent, Tertullian, insisted that passages speaking about God's ignorance and emotions were to not be taken literally but figuratively. He took other passages figuratively as well to illustrate his own theological system. In this, he was following solid precedent. Um, you see, for example, the use of figurative interpretations to attack Jews in the Epistle of Barnabas. But when proto-Orthodox fathers faced opponents, like the Gnostics who interpret scripture figuratively, they insisted vehemently that only a literal interpretation of the text would do. The proto-Orthodox attacks on Gnostic figurative modes of interpretation are particularly interesting. The second century church father Iranius, Bishop of Gaul, is a key figure in these debates. Iranius recounts a number of interpretative strategies um, 
used by the Gnostics to support their points of view and give specific instances of their interpretation that he finds to be completely willful in that they overlook the literal meaning of the text. Gnostics who believed in 30 divine aeons appealed to the claim of the Gospel of Luke uh, that Jesus started his ministry when he was 30. They also found support that these 30 aeons were divided into three groups, the final 12 of which were completed with the creation of Sophia, an aeon who fell from the divine realm leading to the creation of the universe. In the fact that Judas Iscariot, the twelfth of the disciples, fell away to become a betrayer. Iranius considered these interpretations ludicrous. In his view, the Gnostics were simply making texts mean what they wanted them to mean and ignoring what the text actually said. He likened the Gnostic approach to interpretation to someone who takes a beautiful mosaic image of a king and rearranges the stones into the likeness of a mongrel dog, then claims that that is what the artist meant all along. The problem, though, is that the proto-Orthodox engaged in similar modes of interpretation when it suited their own purposes. For Iranians, the kosher food laws of Leviticus refer not to unacceptable foods, but to unacceptable kinds of people, not eating animals that chew the cud but do not have clothes and hooves means not being like Jews who have the word of God in their mouths but do not move steadily towards God. Generally, though, the proto-Orthodox claimed that literal interpretations were to be primary with figurative interpretations useful only to support views established by literal interpretation. Thus, Origen of Alexandria widely used figurative modes of interpretation, but only when the literal meanings appeared to be contradictory or ridiculous. It may seem to us today that the proto-Orthodox view is fairly obvious, that the way one should read a sacred text is the same way one should read any text, taking the literal meaning as primary. But we should always remember that the ways of reading texts that are um, or that we ourselves have inherited and learned are not necessarily obvious or right or commonsensical. We should be especially aware of the circumstance that our commonsensical ways of reading texts are now common sense because of those ancient debates over interpretation which proto-Orthodox Christians won. So questions for us to consider. Explain how insisting on a literal approach to interpretation could both help and hinder the proto-Orthodox Christians in their struggles with alternative forms of early Christianity. And also, if literal interpretation of a text were simply a matter of letting the text speak for itself, why is there such an enormous range of different interpretations of any given text, uh, text uh, so whether it's the Bible, Shakespeare, or the Constitution.